0: Warning! This podcast contains spoilers. We're going to be at South by Southwest talking about the multiverse and its depictions in pop culture and comics and movies and TV and such. If you don't want to be spoiled, be careful and beware when you enter here. Hey, gosh. hello. Usually do. <laughs> hello. Hello, South By. Uh, my name is Jason Gutzeptiel. This is Rose Knight. Welcome to X-Ray Vision, the crooked podcast where we dive deep into your favorite shows, movies, comics, pop culture. We're here live at South By Southwest. Yeah. <laughs> I've got so much coffee in my bloodstream right now. (laughs) And we're here to talk about a bunch of uh, MCU stuff. We're here to talk about multiverses. uh, And then we're here to uh, answer some uh, questions and listener questions, audience questions and stuff like that. Rosie, how are you? How has your Austin experience been
1: thus far? It's been lovely. This is my first time in Austin, my first time at South By. Uh, I have a lot of green tea. Streaming yeah. through my veins.
0: <laughs> We're heavily armed now. Uh, it's wonderful to be here. Okay, let's talk about. Let's go to the news. Previously on, um, should we play the trailer first, or should we just talk about it first?
1: Let's do play it first. So play, okay, let's play.
0: Uh, can we play the latest trailer of uh, Disney Plus's Moon Knight series? Um, and I'm going to watch it as we play it.
1: Thanks, Chris.
0: Thank you. <laughs>
1: Sounds dramatic
0: is chaos in you. The fun of Moon Knight is getting introduced to a new superhero in a new world.
1: It's a real, legitimate character study. I can't tell the difference between my waking life and dreams.
0: Moon Knight is a spectacular character, he's got an incredibly unique visual
1: look. Our job was to kind of put a lens on the things that had the most uh, dramatic juice and ultimately take the mental health aspect incredibly seriously. I am Stephen. The way we're
0: tackling the story, we learn about Stephen, and then learn about Mark.
1: What's wrong with you, Mark? Why did you call me Mark? And they're the same person.
0: Ethan Hawke, one of the elite hat guys.
1: Yeah, always, always has a brilliant hat.
0: Um, Of our times. So uh, Disney recently shared a press release for uh, this series, Moon Knight, in which they uh, stress that they're going to make sure to uh, accurately and responsibly depict dissociative identity disorder, which we've been saying is important, yeah. that's important to do?
1: It's really important to do. I'm I'm very interested that they are sticking with the use of this terminology. I have had some very interesting conversations with people who have DID, and it is a very specific mental health uh, il- syndrome that is very much based in your childhood and the right. trauma generated
0: you... Generated by trauma. Generated
1: by traumatic childhood. So i I will be interested to see the route they go. Uh, I am glad that they want to treat it respectfully. They
0: have explored it recently in the comics as like, uh, uh, explore the events that created Mark's, did he witnessed something terrible, and uh, this caused his uh, consciousness to be uh, traumatized? Yeah. And this is the result of this. How this interacts with the supernatural aspects? I think will be that's um,
1: really the key. Will absolutely. be absolutely
0: really important. And also, so this is also they've they keep saying this is a standalone
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, series, which. I think, translates to we don't have Oscar Isaacs locked down for, (laughs) like, numerous movies. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how this interacts with the rest of MCU's stuff.
1: Yeah, I like the the terminology of standalone is very loaded slash meaningless. In the MCU, it could mean that they don't have a good contract. It could mean that they're not sure how it's going to be received. But I kind of like it in the terms of the mental health aspect because if they really want to commit to exploring that in a meaningful way that brings a kind of representation we haven't seen before, then they don't need to worry about deeply connecting it to the rest of it. But I also think this is, we've talked about this a little bit, but definitely seems like an inroad for Marvel horror.
0: Yes. So uh, Moon Knight's first appearance was in the 70s uh, series Werewolf by Night starring the incredibly named Jack Russell. Yes. Who uh, was... (laughs) Uh, who uh, was who's a werewolf, the werewolf by night, as they say. And uh, Moon Knight in his first incarnation, in that incarnation, was just like a mercenary who was kind of like boondoggled yeah. into fighting the werewolf by night, was given a costume by some mysterious, shadowy, uh, rich guys who were like, hey, put on this costume, go fight this werewolf. Uh, and then that turned out to be, that was later retconned into uh, part of Mark Spector's uh, backstory, which also included him uh, you know, being contacted by Kanshu uh, during his time as a mercenary and- in the Sudan, committing uh, various uh, ethnic cleansings yes, hard he stuff. didn't want to do, but he, <laughs> but he also was, like, taking part of. Uh, I and think, then-
1: yeah, we, we've kind of <laughs> talked about this a lot, but the comics are uh, varied at best in quality and taste. So this is a very interesting—this is definitely, I think— to look to Mbaku in Black Panther and the mm-hmm. way that they reimagined that character and brought so much incredible heft and humor and complexity, much of that thanks to Winston Duke, I think that is really the basis of what they're gonna need to do with this character to avoid a lot of that, the problematic stuff. And also, as well, like, I just wanna say, the creator of uh, Werewolf by Night has often said, that they did not know Jack Russell was a dog breed and <laughs> it was just on. a coincidence.
0: No. See, yes, that's, and- the,
1: what, that's <laughs> the thing that, like, there's also,
0: <laughs> I love there's that. There's also so much. the, um, You know, the uh, creator of Moon Knight has also said, like, oh, the the Batman parallels, that was like, uh, we didn't, you know, like, yes, he uses, like, boomerangs, similarly, uh, is, like, a weird, rich guy who dresses it, you know, like, in a a very specific costume, It's, but it's white, white, not black, black. and then he fights criminals, punches them in the face, but that's, that's like, come on, I know. Well, I, I've been thinking about Jeff this a Russell, lot. a very famous dog, dog breed. I know.
1: And, uh, and yeah, and, and that kind of, the Werewolf by Night thing is particularly resonant right now because yeah. we know that the Halloween special, which is allegedly going to star Gail Garcia Bernal as a werewolf, that is apparently in the working title of Werewolf by Night, but that will likely be changed by the time it hits screens, going to be directed by Michael Giacchino, who just did the incredible score for The yeah. Batman. Um, so that it is very likely that whatever happens in Moon Knight here will be continued in this Marvel Halloween special that will kind of establish more of the horror that has kind of been introduced basically since the end of Eternals, my favorite movie, everyone else's last <laughs> movie. Um, uh, the, not worse. Uh, None but, thank it's you. like I, I think it's you you for that support. I, I would go out
0: on I'll say that I don't actually think the MCU's ever made a truly bad yeah. movie.
1: I know. They're I love that. They're all like... Good. Yeah. And well, the end of that movie, spoiler alert, uh, a certain character, Kit Harrington, played by Kit Harrington. his name's Dane Whitman in the comics he's known as The Black Knight. He finds a magical sword that's evil and will turn (laughs) anyone into a killer. Very artifact heavy, which we'll get into the importance of artifacts in our next trailer. And at the end, Blade, Mahershala Ali is there and he says, you know, you're not ready for that. And I think that Moon Knight will connect to that. We see him in, he's in the British Museum slash National Gallery the Dame Whitman character works in another museum in London and werewolf by night will likely continue this kind of midnight suns marvel nights horror team up expansion
0: let's uh let's go to miss marvel the miss marvel trailer and get a little bit more it's upbeat It's lovely cue the next trailer uh please Thank you. interesting choice to have uh, the weekend is the soundtrack. It was a very cocaine heavy I know, I artist that for a, for a for a story about a I was
1: like that a coming is, of
0: age story.
1: I was like, totally, it, <laughs> it fits very well, but it,
0: <laughs> the, the connotation's are strange. This was a wonderful trailer. I'm excited. yeah, it's so lovely.
1: okay, so first off, I just want to say I get it. You get what? High school. Kamala. Kamala. Another adventure shirt. Cute. She thinks I'm some kind of weirdo. You were a weirdo. Boys. Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> you're kind of on my shirt. Sorry. But you're staring out the window in your little fantasy land. Kamala. Hey. Already? Really? Come on. Like. Do I have to figure out my whole future before lunch or just really?
0: Something happened
1: to you? you no. Know why? Did you hear something? Come on up.
0: What does it feel like?
1: Cosmic. I always thought I wanted this kind of life, but I never imagined any of this. Do you even know what you are?
0: Okay, so I much love, you want to unpack. Uh, I love her, too. <laughs> uh, Iman Vellani is uh, the title character, uh, Miss Marvel, created by Bishop K. who's uh, written for Sex Education, really, really funny. Uh, British sitcom, Loki, uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral. Uh, okay, so... In the comics, Miss Marvel it gets her powers because of the explosion of a Terrigen bomb, which contained the Terrigen mist, which is how Inhumans' powers are unleashed yes. in that particular alien race. She is putting some bracelets on, which we think are the quantum bands. Slash Bands Slash Bands, probably some sort of amalgamation of the two, which is a Cree artifact.
1: Yeah, I think that something that's really telling in listening to this trailer along with you guys that you luckily got to watch is when (laughs) when somebody asks her how it feels, she says, Cosmic, Cosmic, right. And the quantum bands are a cosmic artifact that Eon, this kind of ancient space creature in his daughter Epoch, would bestow among people that they felt worthy to protect the universe. And in the quantum band form, they take energy and manifest energy from the quantum zone which in the MCU exists right. as the quantum realm which we've seen in Ant-Man and the Wasp and will likely play into the you know easily to rec- remember name Ant-Man quantumania quantum 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 um so yeah I think that is very much what we're seeing here and, and it allows her to manipulate matter it seems so she still has if you've read those comics you probably recognized at the end the brilliant Jamie McKelvey cover from issue five, where she's sitting on the lamp post with the embiggened, and and you see the embiggened hand. That's her big thing. <laughs> the uh, embiggened hand. <laughs> embiggen from Simpsons. You know yes. the famous <laughs> Je- Jedediah Springfield episode, and that's what she says. She says embiggen, and and her hand gets really big, and and so they had to bring that aspect in in a different way that isn't too close to Reed Richards from the Fantastic Four, Mister Fantastic. He's got those elastic kind of powers. In the comics, her powers are very similar. And so I think this is their way of doing something that's a little bit different, a little bit more unique, and a little bit more like come Here is,
0: so, theory about where these bands come from. We saw in, you were talking in the green room about how the Ten Rings, it was like this ancient artifact. Turned out it was like alien shit. But, uh, and I think it's going to be similar here, right? Maybe
1: from the eternal. Maybe from maybe the maybe I think this is, I think
0: it's going to be a similar thing here where it's yes. like a, a Richard Rider-type figure escapes the destruction of a planet like or a system. kind of. Something like that, right? It contains the power and wisdom of this alien uh, society. And somehow it was just like they thought they were like cool bracelets or something. And yeah, so I— and, uh, some, some, and it's been in her family, or it's been exactly it like kept by uh, some people because they thought they were just cool, and and she discovers them somehow. Yeah, so
1: something that we talk about a lot on just in general as friends and, yeah. and on the show is Marvel and DC like love to rip each other off yeah, or get get it. one over on they each never, other.
0: They never stop doing it.
1: Thanos is obviously the biggest example ripped <laughs> right. off from Dark Side by and the Moon Knight abs. Batman. Yeah, you know, it's like, and and. And Marvel did something incredibly smart and savvy in losing— they lost most of their characters because of licensing deals, and they made Thanos their cinematic bad guy before Darkseid. So by the time Darkseid showed up in DC, it looked derivative. Right. So there is a big chance that they're essentially going to Green Lantern Kamala Khan here. Right. And in Green Lantern, you're chosen by the alien. Hal Jordan's chosen because he's worthy of the ring. Green Lantern
0: famously embiggens his hand. He He loves to embiggen a hand. hand, He's he's making a hand. He's making a hammer. He he has (laughs) the power of all imagination, but it's
1: always just a giant hand. (laughs) He loves it. Every time. Like, so I think that this, I think you're right. I think this is going to be something where Kamala is worthy to have the bands. It's, she could be chosen herself or something that I think could be really nice. We see in this trailer her sort of looking, she's either hiding them in a box or finding them in a box right. in her attic. And a lot of the comic, um, which was created by Sana Amat, Stephen Wacker, you know, um, the brilliant G. Willow Wilson, Adrian Alphona was the first series artist, and Jamie McKelvey designed that costume. So, like, that, it's, it's really incredible stuff. And in those comics, a lot of the conflict comes from Kamala and the legacy of being a superhero and the legacy of being a Muslim teenager. Mm-hmm. And I would love... To see this kind of, maybe these bands have been in her family. Maybe her grandma was someone that the alien trusted to have them, but she didn't know what they were, or she she wasn't interested in pursuing that. I think there's a really interesting potential of building a legacy in, because they made, they designed these bracelets to match Kamala's costume, right. which is a kind of like very Muslim-inspired... Outfit, and I think there's something really interesting that we could see with that.
0: Yeah, I think that I think that you're right, and that she will be chosen by whatever is in the bands. Like yeah. clearly, they weren't just like it. Other people must have worn these, so mm-hmm. why didn't they access the powers? Um, okay, so this is th- there are scenes in this uh, trailer of you know uh, black SUVs pulling up, and uh, what we you would imagine, are some sort of, like, government agency that is Yeah, we, uh, probably, we saw damage
1: control. Right, hunting,
0: hunting for these uh, weapons. Uh, are they damage control or are they someone else? And then we see, appearing through the mist, these very four cheeky-y. figures... Very cheeky. Very cheeky. So, uh, recall the comics version, Kamala Khan, uh, it's unleashed, her powers are unleashed by the Terrigen Mist. Here we have these four figures appearing out of a mist. Um, are they in humans or... Someone else, I think that there's going to be two groups chasing yeah. Miss Khan. It's going to be some governmental group, be it damage control or someone else. Now, this is, again, this is how, this is cheating, but I looked at the IMDb. IMDb is a there's blessing. An, And there's an actor. It's a blessing. This is cheating, and we don't usually do this. But so there's a character who is uh called a nice agent, N-I-C-E. Now, uh recent... <laughs> Uh, Disney Plus strategy has been to take Mm -hmm. like a minor, 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 like sub henchman of a minor villain and kind of blow them up a little bit. So there is a character named Mr. Nice, who is like a henchman of Arcade, who is famously an X-Men villain. Yes. So theory. Mr. Nice, or, the, or Nice, is a group that is, like, damage control. Yeah. Is out here trying to find powered-up stuff, mystical stuff, ancient artifacts that uh, contain who knows what. Uh, and is trying to cobble those together for the purposes of evil shit. Uh, <laughs> and then later we will discover that the director of Nice is this arcade... Figure. I think
1: you are onto something here because so so one of the things that the Miss Marvel comic did really well and a lot of comics at this time which was the Marvel Now imprint they did this really ground level storytelling that brought to life kind of real issues so there's a great Miss Marvel arc about gentrification but really mm. the gentrification is being done by Hydra yeah, and it's this kind of evil yeah. scheme, right? Doctor
0: Strange had the same issue, but it was like <laughs> demons that were yeah. trying to buy his uh, buy the sanctum and, and turn it into like I a, think, a Walgreens.
1: I think that <laughs> <laughs> it would be one of those really beautiful yeah, ones, yeah. like the CVS in yeah, Hollywood, yeah. like it's like a giant old beautiful building. But um, I think that the nice agents, if that is a thing, it would be a really if. good if if if, if that if. would be a really good play on a current issue that America is having with yeah. ice and taking— Ice, And also nice. in, in yeah, the comics, cute. Arcade, in certain stuff like the Mike Carey, uh, Age of X, I love Mike Carey. He's one of my favorite writers. In that, Arcade runs a mutant prison where mm-hmm. he's putting people with who are mutants. And in that, it's very extreme. It's a dystopian world where Charles never existed, Charles Xavier— Cyclops is killing people with the laser eyes. Like, it's it, they make him kill his brother. It's very brutal. But a more grounded version of that that would fit into your theory would be if the nice agents were establishing something that we know the MCU has to have going into the future if they want to introduce the X-Men, which is if the nice agents are trying to capture and stop people who have powers, right. then we can start building to that idea That people with powers are oppressed, people with powers are in danger, and that's when you have the rise of Charles Xavier or the rise of someone like Magneto. So I think the nice agents is a a very good theory. And also I think there's a chance that there's some kind of alien, there's going to be some kind of aliens who want the bands back. Right. Now I think for
0: our four figures who appear out of the mist, I think that that is our whether they're Cree or someone else, I think those are our four aliens who are like, oh, the bands are activated.
1: Exactly. Uh, We
0: GPS located it to Jersey City. (laughs) Uh, Let's go get them back. And I think those are going to be the people who... you know, teach Miss Khan about the lineage of these bands and help her find her place yes. as a hero in this in this firmament. And but some, who are they? are yeah, they? Who humans? Are they, are they Kree? Are they-,
1: are they are they allies? Are they enemies? Like, yeah. also, I think something we kind of haven't really impressed upon enough is like, if if these are quantum bands or mega bands and are directly connected to the Kree, it's really nice because in the comics and in the show, as you can see, like Kamala, Kamala's biggest hero is Carol Danvers, yeah. who is Kree. So it adds a really nice layer and connection to the kind of hero who made her want to be a hero.
0: What are the chances that they, that this is how they introduce... Inhumans like not the ABC version of the Inhumans. This is the MCU I, Inhumans with good wigs.
1: I would be in intru- oh, the wigs. Don't don't give me the trauma. They made a show. Wig budget, they folks. made a show
0: with Medusa like, and listen, she has
1: prehensile hair and they shaved her hair
0: up I, in the first I, I, episode. I understand that the, this space oh. is changing quickly and that the budgets are not oh. like the budget numbers. It's not like what people are used to, but you just have to spend a lot of money on wigs yeah, if you want you have want. to. But you I, have to do I it.
1: I think I would have been of the mind for a long time that we wouldn't see an Inhuman. I don't think they're going to make Kamala an Inhuman. I think that's out of the I, picture. I think it's out of but the picture. But we have seen that Kevin Feige is not afraid of taking things that have been in those ABC shows, the dark Darkhold, you know, and, and reintroducing them in a way that is canon to the MCU that kind of says, this could be the same thing, but also might not right, be. Yeah. And I think that is quite likely with a, a version of the Inhumans. So with... if.
0: If our nice agent is uh, related to Arcade, here again we're seeing uh, the kind of sprinkling of like X-Men stuff into this universe, which raises a question like, how do the X-Men appear? Which, And then
1: you had a really... Isn't that the biggest question? That is the
0: huge question. (laughs) Uh, Like, is it going to be... And the question basically breaks down to two sub-questions, which is, is it going to be all at once like... Quickly, We're going to see them soon. They're just going to like pop in or they're going to lay a groundwork where you understand about mutant oppression. We understand about like, you know, Weapon X. They retcon the uh, super soldier program into Mm -hmm, being some mm -hmm. sort of uh, offshoot of Weapon X and actually like people have been experimented on brutally. Uh, not just Isaiah Bradley for a long yeah. time. Logan is somewhere like in a sub basement yeah, I mean, in Canada, the, being like right now being, being, even experimented the Logan on.
1: canon of the movie just titled Logan, where they have the kids in the Weapon X program. That feels very MCU ish. That feels like it could really be or existing.
0: Do they do the Wanda? mashing up of world so i
1: wonder if th- i i have seen recently a theory online i cannot take credit it's too good i'm, I'm sad i can't take credit because i love a wild theory i've seen a theory online that claims that the mcu as we know it is actually just a house of m style <laughs> projection that Wanda created to make a world without mutants so once that shatters you would just have mutants existing in the world that's very cool. It would absolutely shake up the MCU, and I don't know if Kevin Feige's ready to do that.
0: Is Kevin Feige ready to say all of this didn't matter? But All of this th- isn't real. But here's the thing. Hasn't the TVA already established that it's not real, right? Exactly. Like, the introduction of the TVA already kind of said yeah. all of this has happened before. We've been doing this. Endgame, the time heist, all that stuff has happened multiple times. Yep. It's just happening in cycles in a very controlled way. And so all of it kind of didn't exist, sort of exist I think, or matter.
1: I think the most telling thing is like, so No Way Home was kind of this unbelievable cultural phenomenon where they somehow managed to recreate the anticipation and energy of Endgame just a few years later without 10 years leading, right? I think that the fact that they're already trying to replicate that with Doctor Strange, oh, look, it's Patrick Stewart. Like, oh, who who else could (laughs) be in the Illuminati? I think they really want, you said a really good thing where you were like, they're making, they're forcing the team up movies because they don't have the teams. And I think that aspect where they want to have that moment, spoiler alert, where Charlie Cox catches the the brick and you know that's Daredevil. And they want people to scream. And and you want to say, you want to see someone being like, I want to see Charles Xavier. Yeah. And then he walks through. They want those moments. And that makes me think, as much as for a long time, I thought, Kang, Jonathan Majors, I love you, Kang. I love you. Like, I'm ready for that. I thought that meant we were getting five years of Fantastic Four, Galactus, Silver Surfer. Five years Surfer. is a
0: long time, especially in the current uh, climate I where- you know, World War Three. Uh, you
1: never know; it's, it's, and, it could Yeah, I think that I thought that that Fantastic Four, and then maybe you'd get the X Men in five years, and you know, we'd get a little San Diego Comic Con. They'd play like, yeah. and it'd be an <laughs> X Men. Like, no, now I actually think, like, fast. I think it's fast. I think it might be I think, fast. Yeah. I think Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness could just shake up everything, and we could learn that MCU is a projection, or we could suddenly we could have that moment that a lot of fans have thought. Let there be mutants. Like, let there be people with powers instead of no more mutants. I'm coming
0: around to that too because I, I you know, I was firmly during, uh, you know, Falcon in the Winter Soldier era, which feels like a million years ago <laughs> now, but I think it was only like 10, 12 months ago. Some months ago. I was pretty convinced, oh, okay, they're going to, like, they're going to, uh, they're going to, kind of lay this, you know, lay the groundwork, mm-hmm. uh, make us understand that, like, after, the, you know, Civil War and the Accords and all, and and the blip, that people are like, actually, maybe powered people are really bad. Yeah. And, uh, and everything has been really shitty since they appeared, and, like, and public opinion will turn against them, and then you will have a government program against powered people, et cetera, and then you will have the X-Men appear in that in that context. And now I think we don't, we don't really have the team up movie. No. You know, it's like they've they've made uh, the various standalone movies into team up movies. Now they've been doing that for a while with like Captain America: Civil War, but they're they're really doing it now with uh, with No Way Home, with Quantum Mania, with Doctor Strange. All going to be team up movies. But where is the actual team? team? Uh, we don't have an Avengers team. Fantastic Four on the horizon, but I feel like they will introduce the X-Men sooner than we think.
1: I think so, too. Especially because our next team is probably going to be the Young Avengers in whatever guys, whether they call them the West Coast Avengers, whether they call them the Young Avengers. But that could be in Disney Plus TV. That could be in a movie, maybe. But I think the, the broadness of it is probably Fantastic Four and X-Men at the same time and think- some kind of X-slash-versus-Avengers or... Yeah. Situation or uh, Secret Wars, which we we've been saying could happen for a long time. It feels time. like that's the big. And if you bring Fantastic Four in, then you can do Secret Wars really easily. I'll
0: just say that as a as a comic fan, this has been a fantastic period of my life to go <laughs> to the movies. Seriously, uh, it's been really great. But and, and I've loved every second of it. But if. When they bring in the X-Men, I will lose my shit. I know. I'll lose it.
1: It's hard to think about it. It's I'll hard truly to conceive it. it.
0: I mean. I'll lose it.
1: I know this is going to make a lot of people in there feel really old or really young. <laughs> Dude, that X-Men movie came out 22 it's tr- years it's ago. It's crazy. That shit is uh, old. That feels to me like a, that feels to me still like a, a Reese. It, it's like, oh, that's when superhero movies started. Sam Raimi, Spider-Man. You know, I mean, that's, that's two decades ago. Like there, there is time for a new X Men movie and I'll truly lose the it. Casting the moment that we see it's going to okay, be incredible. I know we're going on an X Men tangent, but we both love the X Men, so yeah. it's fine. who What do you think? Okay, so when the MCU comes, do you think it's going to be my choice? I know my choice is giant size, but do you think they're going to do classic five or oh, giant size? Well, okay, I think it has to be. I think you have to have
0: Cyclops. I think you have to have Storm. So you're going. It's giant size, it's basically, exactly giant right? Size. I agree. I think you have to have Wolverine. right? And I think he's going to be a very important character that ties in a lot of like the super soldier program, like actually grounds it in a lot of the stuff that has already happened. Like we'll find out that actually there were offshoots to the super soldier program and Logan is part of that, Mm -hmm. but also a mutant. Uh, And I think you have to have obviously Charles, Magneto's got to be in there as like the foil. And then I don't, who, who do you think?
1: No, I think you're right. I just, to me, I think that's the way... Jubilee. Yeah. Ju- no, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I love... I, I, think, I think the most realistic version is a melding of giant size... Right. ...and of 92. Because that is the Kitty stuff that Pride, a lot of people think grew up with. Like- I also think that if we look at how the MCU is now there is a space to have multiple iterations. Like, you can have a younger class who are right. in Charles's school, or Storm's school. Maybe yeah. Storm will be the headmistress. We don't know where... Introducing Charles, and specifically Magneto, in this timeline, with the sliding timeline, is a very complex proposition, and they're going to have to work really hard to work out how to make it work. So there's, I think there's a lot of different ways where we could see different generations of them. I think Storm might actually be the first X-Men that they introduce because right. they have. she has such a deep connection to Black Panther. I do not want Storm to get married to Black Panther, by <laughs> the way. I was not a fan of that storyline. I don't think that's how it should be done. But she has a brilliant connection to Wakanda and that would be such a great space to introduce her in Wakanda Forever where we're going to be potentially going to the Savage Land. We're going to potentially be meeting Namor. I think in, Storm is such an iconic character and such a beloved X-Men and also a beloved hero in her own right. I think she could be our... Our first major X-Man that we meet.
0: I agree with you. Uh, this was a, a really fun segment, and now we should move on because I think how much time <laughs> do we have left? God,
1: um, we did, like, half of it. Half of it was just talking, but the, both, both of those things are relative to the multiverse. So it's I agree. All
0: good. When we're back, more multiverse. Okay, so let's talk about multiverses then. Let's talk about uh, multiverses, parallel universes, all this stuff that is happening. Uh, And First of all, let's talk about our favorite multiverses. Um, The multiverse is really, uh, it's a fascinating construct in that it is a way to basically cheat and include Mm -hmm. like every iteration of every character that you want. Uh, You can have them fight against each other. Uh, Both DC and Marvel have their versions of the multiverse. I think DC's is is fascinating in that it's an outgrowth of just the way the comics industry existed at the time. You Mm -hmm. had all these different creators uh, creating comics at a super, super fast clip, yeah, like, I mean, every you had two weeks to a month. so
1: many comics coming out every week there and was so no, many different creators. There was no cohesive... There was no overarching, like, editor. Like, and so you
0: had, like, a Superman over here doing this, and then you had a younger Superman over here doing And you had Superman and Lois Lane, Superman's
1: right. girlfriend, and you had... Uh, and then you had Dark Knight, Batman. You know, you had all, uh, all these different versions of the characters, and, and DC created the multiverse as a way to explain it away.
0: Right, and so then you have crisis I love on. That. You have crisis on Infinite Earths, which is DC's attempt to be like, okay, we gotta like tame this somehow mm-hmm. uh, by creating like this massive multiversal war, so we uh, can
1: streamline it into one timeline where we can control what ev- what is going on.
0: So let's talk about it. What are our favorite uh, favorite
1: multiverses? Uh, would you like to start? I will. I will start just because it's on the topic of what my I love the Marvel multiverse, because the Marvel multiverse in the comics is one of my absolute favorite things, which is something that is almost entirely defined by fans fans were the people who created the Earth designations. You know, you've heard of Earth 616. You've got the Earth where the zombie Marvel stuff happened. (laughs) You've got that. And and these were actually fans who were like, this, we're going to call it this. Like the first mention of 616, which we know we use it as an offhand term Mm -hmm. for the main Marvel universe. That's kind of controversial in the comics, but has been used as a joke in the movies. That was actually from an Alan Moore comic, like a Captain Britain thing. It was an offhanded mention and fans latched onto it and they were like, That's the main Marvel universe. And to me, that constant conversation between fans and creators is what makes this stuff exciting. So I love that Marvel had this messy world where there's so many different versions of their characters and all these different teams. And fans just started organizing it for them to the point where Marvel was like, oh, yeah, that's right.
0: They were like, yeah, yeah, this is is the multiverse. That's right, yeah, 616, yeah, that's what it's called. We worked so hard
1: to create all these different (laughs) Earths for you. Yeah, yeah, You're so lucky. Yeah, yeah. And I think that is just so cool. And also I I love that because of that we get stories that actually play into the multiverse. We talk a lot about secret wars like the the Jason Aaron Asad Assad Ribic yeah. big big stuff. And like that is so fun where I, I'll never forget like that spoiler alert. The story is like they they're trying to get they're trying to make everything part of this main right. universe. So they're going to destroy all these other worlds, right? And the way that they showed at the end, what they really wanted to do was bring Miles Morales into the main Marvel universe because he's brilliant. And they knew. So what they did was they, on the final page turn, Miles wakes up, he's in that universe, and they changed the lettering style. That's all it was. It went from mixed case to caps, which is what they do in the main Marvel universe. And I remember reading that and being like, oh my God. Like, I know that he is in this world now. And I kind of love the way that it gives creators a control over like this was really cool and it was meant to just be this throwaway thing or it was meant to only exist in the ultimate universe but i love it so actually they jumped through a multiversal portal and guess what now they're in the main mcu like that to me is very powerful and fun
0: i love secret war secret war is the east Rubik, yeah uh version of secret wars because it's basically like the Illuminati, this collection of dudes in the Marvel, MCU, the most powerful uh, dudes, relevant. the power dudes of the Marvel Universe, were like, okay, nobody can know what's happening uh, with these incursions with like various parallel universes are crashing into ours how do we fix this i know we dis- we kill everyone we totally destroy Terrible that entire idea. reality and but we don't we can't tell anybody we're doing this because they'll be mad at us <laughs> captain america <laughs> will, understandably will be super mad so we're just going to do it And this results in the secret war. And it's basically like this entire uh, crossover was just like the power dudes of the MCU fucked up.
1: Yeah, and you end up with like God Emperor Doom, which (laughs) is like the most badass name (laughs) villain of all time. But I just, I think that I love that the Marvel one is kind of as much created by random creators making all these different stories in an age where comics were coming out, you know, hundreds of thousands of comics every year and it was sort of shaped by fans being like, well, we need this to make sense. And Marvel was just like, yeah, that's what we meant to do. Like, that to me is so cool. What about, what's one of your faves? Uh, Into
0: the Spider-Verse was just ah! like. I, I mean. It's just a adrenaline shot of a movie that is so, so, so so fun they did the multiverse before uh, the MCU managed to do it which is great. They and likely
1: introduced the multiverse to mass audiences. Yes. That is most people's understanding of the multiverse is yes. through that
0: beautifully made movie. It's uh it's a heart-wrenching movie that hits your that hits your feelings when you least expect it to do that. It is a a adrenaline shot of a movie with like some of the most insane action and I mean when Miles does his leap? Yeah. It is like you want to erupt out of the out of your seat. It's also, so so fun. It
1: also did one of the things that I think these kind of stories can do so well, where like it this is a random. Kind of comparison, but in New X Men, the Grant Morrison Frank Quitely yeah. book, they re- they introduced this different version of Cyclops who's kind of flawed, and that yeah. was the first time I liked Cyclops, <laughs> and and I thought that was it. I think he's he like too much of a he's too much of a good boy for me. But like yeah. I like the I like the flawed like he's having a psychic affair, and and I think that something <laughs> Spider Verse does that's so brilliant is it it takes the You know, we've always seen Peter Parker. He's emotional. He's this Mm. ground-level hero. You can relate to him. Anyone can be like him. But he still has this kind of sheen of of a young boy who doesn't really, he doesn't really make mistakes, but he's always putting his family at risk. But I loved the version of of Peter B. Parker where you actually got to see what does it do to you when you have always put your family at risk and you've always, like, sacrificed your life and it just doesn't work out. Like, that was one of the most unexpectedly, like, hilarious, but also, like, heart-wrenching things that they introduce in that movie the
0: other thing i love about multiverse is just like we've talked about it a little bit here but how much marvel and dc just rip each other off oh, shamelessly so all the time <laughs> it's like part of the dynamic of liking this stuff is just being okay with the fact that yeah, like like
1: you know uh <laughs> i'm not gonna say it's one of my favorites right? right because it's 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 not necessarily um something i go back to all the time the way i do but like I will say that in the fun of the ripping off conversation, the Most of the reason that anyone who just randomly watches TV or isn't really into comics knows what a multiverse is is because of the CW shows, which have been <laughs> yeah, doing a multiverse yeah. for like 10 yes. years. And now Marvel came in and they're like, hey, we're doing a multiverse. And everyone's like, oh my God, wow. And I'm just like, you guys are so cheeky. Yeah. Like the CW <laughs> has literally been seeding this stuff with like mums who love Green Arrow and, and people who don't necessarily read comics. They had a Crisis on Infinite Earths event where yeah, they literally- whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, and I mean and then when they did the TV version, they literally had people from the movies come to the TV and that was like so groundbreaking even if you know it's a little bit corny, it's 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 its own world, but like I just think it's so interesting that how these kind of things feed off of each other. Yeah. Cuz so many people their understanding of that is probably because oh yeah, I remember that one episode of that of Arrow. I mean, they had stuff in the CW, I think one of the most interesting things that DC has always done. They, the old thing that we used to say, Marvel movies, terrible in the 90s. You know, it was Captain America. I love that bad Captain America movie. But you'd be <laughs> like, DC, yeah, though. The bad, the oh, bad Captain yeah, America. bad Captain America. Or DC. Daredevil in oh, the Hulk special. Yeah. Or even, you know, even the Fox, you know, Daredevil, yeah. Electra, yeah. Bring Me to Life, one of the best scenes of a movie of all time. Yeah. Not for the right, <laughs> not for the right reasons. But like, we used to say, the Marvel <laughs> movies, those are bad. But the DC animated movies, that's what superhero movies should be. And because of that, and because DC knew the quality of those, they have always basically aligned that those movies can exist in a multiversal space next to their other stuff. And with the CW stuff, something I found really interesting was they actually had characters and storylines that they were doing in animated stuff that would enter into the CW live-action shows. And the canon of the cartoons would be in there. So I just think it's really interesting how this kind of stuff is really experimental and it's becoming really mainstream. But it's been it something super, that's been in the conversation for a really long time. Really,
0: really long time. What's your next uh, favorite
1: multiverse? My next favorite multiverse. Oh, there's so many. There's a multiverse yeah. of multiverses. Um, okay, I'm going to bring up one. It's so silly. But we were talking about it yesterday and I love talking about like bad movies. So I when I was a kid, right. I watched Cube. And oh, it is Cube. this weird horror movie about these people stuck in, in a, a, torture, a cube. torture cube. But <laughs> one, it's very terrifying. It was it a was big influence on like Saw, for example, because it's all filmed in one room. But one of the sequels, Cube Zero, is a string theory film about multiverses where every cube is living alongside each other in a different uh, universe of its own. And it's, it's absolutely mind-blowing and just completely ridiculous. But that's one of my favorites because I'm like... That's the most horrific version of a multiverse. We know multiverses as, oh, here's a different version of this character we love. And in this one, they're a bit silly or they wear a different costume. And in this one, it's like in every multiverse, in every universe, you are just stuck in a torture cube. It's just horrible. <laughs> uh, I'm
0: gonna, I'm gonna pick DC Crisis on Infinite Earth. Just the because classic. it was like cl- the classic. And it's interesting because like when you think about the big crossover events of that era between Marvel and DC, it's like so emblematic about like the cultures of those. Two companies. DC Crisis on Infinite Earths was all about. We've got all this crazy canon that doesn't make sense, mm-hmm. and we just need to like actually go in and garden and like make it all make sense. Because also,
1: what a creative team! Yeah.
0: Marvel Wolfman, George Perez. That's like George Perez.
1: The that's the stuff.
0: And then and then you had Secret Wars, which was literally just like, how do we, okay, cash I, grab time. Yeah. Let's go. Marvel's Secret Wars, which I loved as a kid and re- and then in retrospect was not. It's a, it's it, a toy it was to sell toys. There's it, actually right.
1: toys that went along with it where that are really cool. Like it's like Spider-Man, he has this weird wheel toy. It's like a vehicle <laughs> that he would be in in each of the issues. That stuff though, it, I have a Secret Wars coloring book. Which were one of my prized possessions? Lots of Kang coloring in there. So actually, that's a very—it's a cash grab, but it's now a relevant cash grab.
0: You know, it's—it <laughs> is quite irrelevant. Where, not to derail us, but Kang, like, where is he?
1: He's everywhere.
0: Where is? Where are we him. gonna? It's interesting because it's like Thanos. You kind of understood where he would appear.
1: It's—it's it's hard because like you feel like where was Kang in No Way Home? Right. It just makes it seems like he would have been there. So I think. I think he's got to be somewhere pulling some strings, maybe having a Thanos-style end credit scene in Multiverse of Madness. Because it feels like if that is a multiversal story and we're talking about these timelines being out of control or Steven messing things up, as he always does, Kang's probably somewhere (laughs) like, this fucking guy again! Like, what the fuck is wrong with him? Like, he just can't stay in his fancy, bougie New York apartment and behave himself. Steven, if you
0: can't rearrange reality... With a kid talking to you, don't do it.
1: Seth, it's not hard. Like, if you're sorcerer, you know, like, he's not sorcerer if, if,
0: if you can't do it while someone's saying stuff to you, then just stop and don't mess with it. That's yeah, just all I'm it. saying, Stephen. Uh, your classic, you know, the hubris of this man, it's... it's. He's uh, he's
1: a king of hubris. That's yeah. the problem. Uh, your next okay. one. I'm going to go for it. I can't believe neither of us said it yet, actually. Days of Future Past.
0: Yeah, oh, so okay. this, I, I'm going to take that as my yeah, next one as well. So Days
1: of Future Past... One of my favorite things about this is A, Incredible story arc, you know. This yeah. thing changes the Marvel universe in like two uh, issues.
0: Also, it's two issues. Yeah. Like if if that was today, they'd be like a ten issue limited series yeah, yeah, yeah. across and it would have, like, like with multiple tie-ins. spin-offs. Yeah, like you know, like and they'd have like a 0. .5 issue a- that, like, that was like zero zero like, issue. Yet, like
1: no, I I love that stuff. I mean, unbelievable. Like iconic creative team: Chris Claremont, John Bamboo, Tomato Tomato, Terry Austin. <laughs> like um, but just like unbelievable. Stuff. Also John Byrne
0: created a blog and he ruined it for yeah, everyone. Yeah, ruined it for everyone. Okay, anyway, like, John um, Byrne has bad opinions. That's bad, what that means. Bad
1: vibes. But those two issues are so great. And I love the you know, that famous cover where it's like they're all dead. Yeah. And it, everyone's dead. I spoke to Louise Simonson, who's an iconic X-Men creator, Death of Superman creator, X-Men editor. And she had just randomly thought that was like a funny joke to put on the- <laughs> she was like that would be great when that be a great design and i think that's one of the coolest things it sums up one of the best things that book was not made to create a multiverse mm-hmm. that was just a cool time travel story but the impact of the story led to other creators saying oh, well, what would the other versions of this be? What would have happened because of these two issues? And that, I think, is the summation of what makes the multiverse so cool. It's a cool idea for these things that are seen as disposable, that are printed on the cheapest paper, that are bought by kids and are meant to be forgotten, but their impact is so much longer and then something like Days of Future Past can become, like, a key moment in all of Marvel history. Because everyone else is like, wait, but I want to know. Like, what happened to the people in that timeline? Like, and then you get so many different characters from that. I just I just think it's brilliant.
0: Uh, we should probably move on because we're, like, against the clock. But I think, so those are our top three. But I will say this. One thing that I will, uh, soft prediction. They'll do an Age of Ultron. Ultron is will come back at some
1: point. I think I, I call, I'm I calling think it now. I think we already saw... Ultron is in
0: space. He uploaded his consciousness into whatever, uh, some, the, like, massive machine. We see
1: those Ultron-esque bots he will in come the back. Multiverse of yeah. Madness trailer, which I would say, if we imagine that Killmonger is one of the Illuminati who we see, right. or one of the group we see in the trailer, then those are probably his Ultron bots. Bring back James Spader. <laughs> Bring back James Spader. I love James Spader. I love James Spader's Ultron. I will be happy... To hear his dulcet tones once again, <laughs> telling us the internet destroyed the world. <laughs>
0: when we're back, more of our live show it's... Everything is changing so fast. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load. But now with the Xfinity 10G network, you can power a house full of devices at once with ultra-low lag. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. South by Southwest. Okay, let's go uh, to some mailbag questions. This is from Jamie. After watching the Doctor Strange trailer huh. and thinking about WandaVision, Loki, What If, and No Way Home, I'm just confused about the origin of the MCU multiverse. Perfect first question for this. I had assumed that it all began with Sylvie, but there doesn't seem to be any connection between that and No Way Home. Do you think we'll see any kind of connections drawn in Multiverse of Madness between all the multiverse pieces we've seen so far? Are they connected somehow, or did three people, Wanda, Sylvie, Strange, just happen to mess with it at the same time, also wondering how the Watcher and the TVA can exist? Great question. Uh, uh, um, uh, this, th- this is the biggest question
1: right. of the Marvel moment because right. it seems like No Way Home would be the place where you would feel the ramifications of Loki. Right. And you are oh, the, all these worlds exist. But they seem to close it. And my understanding is from reports that No Way Home was originally meant to come out after Doctor Strange. Mm. Um, so I think that that changed the storyline of, of what was meant to happen where I'm assuming that whatever happened in Doctor Strange was meant to lead... Right to that multiversal kind of explosion in No Way Home. I think it does all start with Sylvie and the TBA, because we know that What If only exists. And we know What If, even though people thought it wasn't going to play much of a big part, we can see now that they were seeding a lot of big stuff in Doctor Strange, right. Multiverse of Madness. It was Loki
0: that unleashed the true multiverse. It was like, think of it as like a bonsai tree. The what multiverse always exists, right? right. But it, it was, was in a
1: loop before and now it's... Right.
0: In, in, the, in the pre-Sylvie, pre-Loki fashion, it was like very constrained in this very curated kind of fashion and now it's just like wildly yeah, and, growing. Yeah, and
1: what we see in everything we see in What If is coming from those trees right. that kind of swirl off. What I'm really interested to see it to kind of what I want answered in along with Jamie in in kind of Doctor Strange 2 is, so like, is he in trouble for what he did in No Way Home? Is he in trouble because a different universe version of him messed around with the timeline to try and bring back Christine and he's having to pay for it? Like, I think hopefully multiverse of madness is going to give us those answers of how this kind of all coalesces because also kind of like what we were saying about days of future past I think part of it is they kind of throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks what did people most Loki and Sylvie are the ones that people really gravitated to so it's probably them And and listen a classic
0: classic Doctor Strange DNA is he gets very, very powerful, and he fucks something up. Yeah, and then they have to depower him, and he has to learn his lesson, and then he does it and again. It looks
1: like that's where we're going, and, and I think that's exactly where yeah.
0: we're going. Is like that, you know? Like, listen, uh, he's not the Sorcerer Supreme anymore, which I think is a great choice. Yes,
1: Wong is always meant to be
0: Sorcerer Supreme. Hundred percent, I buy it. Stephen, a wild guy, <laughs> but I think as we saw, uh, you know, with uh, with uh, Spider Man, here he is messing with. Uh, the multiverses. It, it, he should be doing it. to college. help a kid get into college. right. To help a kid get into college, it's not college to admission scandal Stephen. And again, which what I think is brilliant about like the the characterization here is it was ostensibly to get a kid into college, but really it was because like Stephen Strange wanted to do it. Yeah, he's Stephen called, a big Strange big was like, a, is an egomaniac. He was who's like, like, I can do it. Oh, uh, that sounds really cool. Alter reality. Let yeah, me try it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brainwash th- everyone on us yeah show. Sure, that sounds like a very very responsible <laughs> thing that I can do uh, and and this caused all of this. Um, So uh, what about the final question, the Watcher, can the Watcher and the TVA coexist?
1: Yes. Yeah, they can coexist. I think the idea of the Watcher, so I get, I think the Watcher is very intriguing to people because like in the show, he has this really clearly defined omnipotent omnipotent kind of space. But in the comics, again, just a funny like narrative device that used to introduce these different comics and then has come on to have more of a person kind of persona so i think he can exist because the idea is he actually exists outside of space and time the watcher is almost a god in that way it doesn't the tva can exist and be pruning but the watcher's just watching and being like oh they shouldn't be pruning but he doesn't do anything Uh, he's not like that's a bad idea
0: sarah asks i was listening to a recent interview with anita Hill where she mentioned that she was a fan of Stan Lee and always wanted him to make a superhero character based on her, and honestly, who deserves to be immortalized as a superhero more than Anita Hill, it made me wonder whether Marvel or comics generally ever did depict real historical people or events all the time. Yeah, they love to do that. They love to do that. Like presidents, Jimmy Carter, is in so yeah. many, like, Also, like, they did a lot of, of like, era.
1: when Obama got in, they yes. made, like, a bunch of Obama covers and
0: stuff. There and- were some really, really, in retrospect, cringeworthy, like, Reactions to 9/11 in comics. Yeah, that's like a very
1: famous. Marvel did a very famous anthology about that. That is Touch and Go. Um, (laughs) Hey, maybe 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 let this sit. Maybe let it sit a little bit. Maybe let it sit marinate a a while while
0: before we just like jump into this. But Uh, yeah, I mean,
1: they they were really into that, and there's even like there's even kind of precedent for comics throughout history. Where, where publishers have just done comics that are like biographical comic right. issues about famous people. So yes, that's a good question. And it is true. And now that you know it's true, you'll probably notice it. When you're going through a back issue bin, you'll be like, lol, why is this person in here? Uh, let's do one more and then we'll go to the audience.
0: Uh, if you had infinity gauntlet control over the MCU it would be dangerous one thing casting story effects etc what would that be for y'all if X-Men Dark Phoenix takes place in 1992 and we (laughs) assume that since the original X-Men came out in 2000 it must have taken place roughly at the same time frame what do you think could have caused Xavier and Magneto to age so much in those <laughs> ages? 12 years? The big
1: question. Okay,
0: so if you had Infinity Gauntlet control over the MCU and could change one thing, okay, so what would it be? Okay, so I
1: have like a, a, my real answer on like a very small like could happen would probably be like, I think Emily Blunt was originally meant to play Black Widow. Right. And I think that would have been very cool. But if I had real Infinity Gauntlet thing, they mentioned the word effects. If I could click, I would make every effect in the MCU practical. That would be my oh, thing. I would be like, all but in camera. Practical everything's effects. in camera. Build a set. I want to see. I want to see no green screen. Right. Don't actual, be surprised. Like, actual silly string come out of like yeah. a like an I actual see, web shooter. I want to see Kevin Feige in an alternate universe. He's like, I didn't know we could do CG. Instead of saying, I didn't know we could shoot on location. So I'm like, yeah. yeah. I want everything to be in camera. That's that practical. That's the way to go. That's the MCU. I would. Gosh, watch.
0: I don't even know. Gosh, what would I do? I would probably, if I had MCU, mm, I would bring. I would find a way to get the X Men in uh, like earlier, and I would have more like Weapon X which is the program that created mm-hmm. Wolverine. I would have more clues about that. I would more I would tie it directly to the super soldier it's program. It's such a
1: foundational part of introducing like heroes and mutants right. to the world. And, and I would have
0: I would have like him a picture of Logan like hanging in some flashback of the Super Soldier Program, where it's like, "Oh yeah, the Canadian version of, mm-hmm. of, of Captain America it never really worked out. He he went psychotic, and we had to lock him in a cell somewhere uh, after we bonded would, adamantium to his bones." Yeah, and so that's what I would do because that is, uh, the, uh, I can't, I just can't wait for the X Men to come to the Marvel universe. Okay, let's go to. Does anybody have? If you
1: have a question, you can stand behind the microphone yes, if you, you have care anything. to ask. <gasps> Thank you. Thank you. Oh, brave question asker. So, I'm going to age myself a little bit. Uh, my dad was a fan of the 92 X Men yes. uh, cartoon. I it! Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, that was a great yeah. I'm, great I'm, parenting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching it for the first time. And especially with the X Men 92 announcement, I'm trying to ask like every person on TikTok or like yeah. in the comic space what do you think the like continuity or implications of the 92 reboot or remake or whatever? What's the, what's the canonicity? What's that going to do to the MCU? Especially what? with also the Doctor Strange rumor that he's going to be in like the chair from the and oh, Professor yeah, yeah, X is going to be in the chair. I, so my understanding of the show mm-hmm. is that it's going to directly continue from where ninety two mm-hmm. ended. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think that we, I I love that question because I would hope. Mm-hmm. I think that canon wise, I don't necessarily know that the MCU wants to get into like animation being canon, but I do think. That the reason they're doing this show right now is to reintroduce the yes, X Men. They're, they're laying the groundwork. to a new audience exactly. that maybe didn't grow up with it, and to yeah, yeah. exactly. You're the you're the target, and uh, and basically. To something that me and Jason have talked about a lot about why we think that show works, why the Spider-Man Animated Series works, why Batman the Animated Series works. They basically condense these really famous arcs. Into, Dark like, Phoenix, into one episode, Days of a 22-minute episode. Yeah, The yeah. Sentinels, suddenly yeah. that's 22 minutes, you know. It's this really condensed form of storytelling where you can do a lot of exposition and introduction. So I think that what we see in X-Men 97, I think it's gonna be called we should look to that as probably very telling about what's gonna be in the
0: MCU X-Men movies. Yeah. Hey, guys. Uh, Great to oh, see you. Hi. Yeah. Hey. hi. Hello. Hey. Nice to be here. Nice to see you guys, too. Um, I have just two quick questions. The first one, now that we're getting further and further away from World War II, which is anchored in time, but our culture is moving oh, forward yeah. through time. Oh, a can of
1: worms. Yeah. You,
0: like, is it time when the X-Men come in to just rebuild that whole story take it away from that wolverine can obviously can be around forever but you know do should that all be reinterpreted the way they did in the ultimate universe and then second question i miss cap and tony in the mcu and i like the idea of them being around for the long term so do you guys like the idea of pulling a rick and morty like go find a (laughs) you know a new actor for tony and for and for cap from some other multiverse and bring them into the to the main Uh (laughs)
1: line I honestly think we could do a whole episode about the Magneto question. Yes, the Magneto because question Because Magneto is, is, as a Jewish hero, anti-hero villain. Uh, Holocaust survivor is so integral to his And story. that came along...
0: That was a retcon in and of itself, which came yep. along uh, much, much later after his uh, introduction as a very, very evil uh, yeah. supervillain.
1: But as Matt points out, like, this is we are living in the age of the sliding timeline. Right. Everyone in the comics now is, you know, uh, let's look to the, even the Batman, you know, the yeah. new film. He, he was in, he was like a kid in like 2001. He's going, she Shrek with his mom and dad yeah, instead right. of... <laughs> you know, and, and then they died. Ah, what a tragedy. Like, oh, yeah, the yeah, yeah. years keep coming and they don't stop coming. <laughs> but, um, but like, I think it's the, I, this is something I think about a lot. It's something I talk to Jason about a lot. I don't know how they do it. I think there's yeah. some very brilliant ways that you could reinterpret it. I think that there's a an unbelievable spectrum of, of Jewish existence where you could have yeah. a Jewish character who's also a black character who was involved in the civil rights era stuff in the US. And that would be an interesting magneto. But that, whatever they do, I think there's some modern war uh, spaces that you could reimagine it in. But it is such a vital Jewish character. And yeah. it was created... You know, by two Jewish men, and then was retconned to be this huge Jewish icon. I, I, I think it's, I think it's very, it's going to be the most complex thing they have to do.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Yeah, um, and I also think like it, it comes down to the central question of are they, are the mutants here now
1: and hiding, and have they always been here? And have they always been there? Because also, let's be real, we could just, if you wanted to. He could just be 40, and guess what? He's a Holocaust survivor, but his mutation stopped I mean, they him just aging gave us, at right. the age of 40. Like, they, you can write it in if you want, but you can figure out have they do always it. been here?
0: And they gave—they just give us the Eternals, who uh, secretly have been hiding like amongst uh, the people of Earth for a long time. So they could do that with the, with the X-Men. The school is so top secret that mm-hmm. nobody knows that it's been happening. Or do they use the multiversal... Uh, door and say we're bringing them in from somewhere else that's kind of the central question that we don't or is it a combination of those things where it's the stuff we saw in loki uh, the stuff we saw in wandavision plus some sort of like melding of dimensions that gives us mutants because
1: for a long time when it came to like what do you want to see from a fantastic four movie right? right a lot of us, our answer would be like, well, let's do, it's Taika Waititi, it's Fish Out of Water, it's a 60s wild ride movie and then they're pulled into the modern age, wouldn't that be cool? So I guess, using that same logic, if we're talking about the multiverse, there is a version where you can pull a young, radicalized, Holocaust survivor Magneto into a modern age where he still has that experience, but he brings it. I I would doubt, I don't think. I don't think there's a way you can do it without it. The question is... What what does that look like? And I think that's going to be the hardest thing for them to do because it was... I mean, the reason to kind of answer, go back to answer Sarah's question, the reason that Magneto looks old in those first X-Men movies is because they needed him to be a Holocaust survivor. So that's what aged him. It was just the the narrative necessity. Um, And as for your... I, I think about the Tony and Cap thing a lot because I think a lot of people want that. I am all for recasting... I think it's the most exciting way to do it. Right. There is precedent in the comics of Teen Tony. It's very hated. I don't think Marvel's <laughs> gonna look back to that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but I do, I do think to me, that's what I think is exciting. RDJ, Chris Evans, brilliant. But if I see Tony Stark, again, I want to see like twenty-five-year-old Tony, do. I want them to find a brilliant young actor who has that like arrogance and anger, and I want to see him against this pure-minded, like idealistic Cap. Like, so I think that I think that if they I, do it, I think you got a multiverse. It pick some new actors. I think that that's what.
0: And Feige is pretty. It, it seems pretty sure that Feige is anti-reboot. Yes, we will just bring stuff in and figure out how to make it work within the timeline. And I think
1: that's what And so far, over. they haven't gone the, the other big Disney property. You might have heard of it. It's called Star Wars. Um, <laughs> they, they have a penchant for doing a lot of de-aging. Yeah, yeah. And luckily, we haven't. The, the MCU, don't see that we this. don't want to see that. And yeah. even when you had Chris Evans at the end of, uh, you know, Endgame, he, they did old people makeup. Even then, it was, it was practical. So I, I'm hoping that we're going to stay in that realm of reality.
0: Uh, do we see old Chris Evans, old Captain America running around in our current...
1: Um, <laughs> Joe Biden, Captain America. Yeah, he's, like, <laughs> he, he's there. That serum is still strong. Like, he could probably bench press He needs to come back still? and make up for all those yeah. atrocities he ignored while he was dancing with his missus. Like, <laughs> hey, y'all. Um, hey. So I've, I've always wanted, um, like, Brandon Sanderson's Cosmere books adapted. I'm so curious, what are some things that have not been adapted for TV or movies that y'all would like to see? Oh, wow. screen?
0: I, I have a... God, we're running out of stuff at this yeah, point, but.
1: but... No, okay, so I have a white whale, but like many of us, I think it's a dream, but also I, I never want to see it adapted. So there is a comic book that I love, that if you listen to podcasts, I talk about it a lot, called Love and Rockets, Yeah, which is by the Hernandez brothers. Yeah. And it is this slice... It's a, it's a mix between a slice of life and a science fiction comic about pu- pu- Latinx punks yeah. in like the 80s. And, and, but the thing about the comics that's amazing is over 40 years, the comics have... The characters have grown yeah. with the comics. There's no sliding timeline. They get older. And it's this brilliant queer punk rock story. And I always wanted to know, like, it feels like the 90s, like a reality bites era kind of movie should have been the time for it to get made. So I don't know how it exists now. But that's the one where sometimes I'll see a brilliant actress or, or I'll see like some kind of like brilliant queer fashion shoot. And I'm like, oh. Love and Rockets. Like, it could exist. But do I really want it? I'd probably hate it. I'd probably be, like, (laughs) crying every day, like, watching it, like, why did they do this? Like...
0: (coughs) I... I, That would be the one. Because it's kind of like the last Mm -hmm. giant indie comic that they haven't... It really is. ...that they haven't adapted yet because
1: it's really from the black and white boom era we've we've yeah. had ninja turtles comics you know yeah. we're having a yusagi Yajimbo netflix show like these comics that came out at the same time a lot of them have been adapted and love and rockets is really that one where you're just like it's it's scary to take it on but like the the early stuff especially that Jaime did like maggie yeah. the mechanics was this like very It's what inspired Tank Girl. She's, like, a badass, like, queer mechanic, and she goes to, like, a world of dinosaurs. So I think if you're going to do a movie, you could do the more sci-fi. But I think HBO Max, kind of prestige TV, 10-episode, there's a version of it, especially now where people are really interested in, like, uh, expanding ideas of representation on TV and having authentic storytelling. I think there's a space. And you're right, it's really the last big indie comic. I think
0: mine would be, I mean, I think Saga... It will oh. happen at some. How has that not
1: happen? To actually, I think like, it will
0: happen at some point. Uh, just
1: probably post Paper Girls because that's going to be the girls. big BKV.
0: Yes, the Brian K. Vaughn extravaganza saga, the uh, Fiona Staples art that is just like so incredible and sumptuous. The best clothes. My favorite clothes oh. in a comic is is.
1: Uh, Every fashion is beautiful. I, I think that. Uh, I, that I think that is actually so likely. I think I. Do, I I think, you don't think that they made it so fantastical and, imagine, I and imaginary they that they... So to I, me, that was I, I used to say that was alongside the unfilmable comics, yeah. like Watchmen, you know, which has obviously never been filmed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's very unfilmable. But like, um, because of that, but I think where we are now, You have a Lord of the Rings show being made by a billionaire company and every episode costs $4 million. And They spent a quarter of a billion just to get it. Yeah, and the the billion dollars season, right? I think we're living in a world where there's too much, there's just, it's unthinkable amounts of money. So in that sense, could Saga get made probably very beautifully? Yeah, I actually think it probably could now. The question is, who could helm it? Do they understand the vision and could it be weird enough? Also, it would have to be R-rated. That's yeah. like a saucy comic. Good. that That's yeah. the way it should be. <laughs> Good. But I think it would be, I think it would be hard in an age of superheroes for them to not want a PG-13, net Because it's it's so HBO aesthetic. Max. Series, HBO Max.
0: Multiple seasons.
1: Also, with, with the mindset of yeah. I have a lot of um moral and ethical issues with Watchmen ever being adapted because right. it was essentially stolen from the creators by DC with the with dodgy contracting. But I will say, if you went into a saga with the mindset of the recent Watchmen TV show where you're constantly recontextualizing the source material to make it speak yeah. to now, I think that mindset with a budget for saga could be absolutely groundbreaking.
0: Uh I agree. Yeah, thank well, you so think, much, listen, everyone who asked I think the questions. We've, we've come to the end of our time. Big thank you to everybody uh, here. Uh, thank you to, uh, on behalf of Rosie and myself, yes, For everybody thank you here so at much. South by Southwest. Please enjoy the rest of the festival. Uh, check out X Ray Vision every Friday. Goodbye, everybody. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> If you want to learn more about what we explore in each episode, check out our listener's guide to all things X-Ray Vision in the show notes or on our website. Next week, we're back on Friday, March 25th, and send your nerd out submissions to xray@crooked.com. Instructions in the show notes. And don't forget, five-star ratings, five-star ratings. Give us the five-star ratings. X-Ray Vision is a Crooked Media production. The show is produced by Chris Lord and Saul Rubin. The show is executive produced by myself. And Sandy Gerard, Caroline Reston, and Carlton Gillespie are our consulting producers. And our editing and sound design is by Vasilis Fotopoulos. Big thanks to Brian Basquez for our theme music. See you next time. Everything is changing so fast. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load. But now with the Xfinity 10G network, you can power a house full of devices at once with ultra-low lag. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed.